This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Samovar Tea. Find out more at samovarlife.com and by listeners like you. To find out more and make a donation, visit insideactingpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors, directors, filmmakers, writers, producers, agents, managers, everybody involved with the entertainment industry, and we bring those interviews to you. And of course, we want to keep this as open a dialogue as possible, so we've got... uh some voicemails and some listener voicemails and some listener emails on this episode. So, as uh, well as part two of our interview with Bjorn Johnson. So, uh, it's going to be a good episode, I think. Yeah. So, stick around for that. All right, so we have a lot to talk about on this episode. Um, I'm sitting here with AJ and uh, our producer Nelson, and we're drinking uh, actually some Samovar tea. This is a this this blend. <laughs> it's called uh, this is an oolong tea called Wu Wu Yi Dark Roast. Am I saying that right? Nice. Wu, well done. Well done. Wu Yi. Yeah. W U Y I. Um, and uh, it's really good. It actually has like a little bit of a mint kick to it. A little bit. I'm tasting. Um, but it's great, man. I've been kind of hovering on the edge of sickness this past week as I've been like kind of buckling down with the group rehearsals. I swear to you, tea has been keeping me healthy. Yeah. Just it's like tea of all kinds. It's so, so good for you. I'm so glad yeah. that, um, uh, they are our first sponsor. So last week we, we, we just completely ran out of time because Trevor and I had yeah. so much to kind of catch everybody up on and, uh, we had to cut our pick of the week for last week uh just to save time but my pick of the week was and is for this week sam of rt because you guys deserve an explanation um (laughs) we are hoping that you guys are as excited as we are that we have gotten our very first sponsor in uh sam of rt which is a tea lounge up in san francisco uh, that i have been to that are uh producer nelson actually discovered they are fantastic um, mm. they're really passionate about uh their tea and uh, and the whole sort of tea lifestyle and if anybody doesn't understand what we mean by that it just means like being healthy taking care of yourself taking care of each other taking care of the earth it's basically the opposite of binge <clears throat> drinking on the weekends <laughs> that's basically what it is amen brother which which i think we both got over a long time ago yes for um, sure but uh but yeah man it's really good. You know what's cool about this tea too is this is <laughs> this is not your grandmother's tea. This is not like a little tea bag that you buy prepackaged and dip in some hot water. No, it's loose. Like, it's all loose. You get like a whole kit, man, Ooh. and there's like full on like leaves and like a little st- strainer thing that you guys have. <laughs> I don't really know much about this. I'm still in tea bag <laughs> land with personally, but like I'm learning more about like all right, I'm not even going to go there, man. Don't, just leave it alone, man. Um <laughs> But uh, like, you, there's like a whole like kit that you get to go with this tea, and it actually the the flavor is so much I don't I don't know richer, more textured, yeah, because you brew it a different way, and you're actually brewing full on leaves, they're not yeah. diced up and pasteurized in any weird way or anything like that. Yeah, and it's uh, it, uh, you sort of discover this whole world almost like wine you know like you it there's there's different tastes and you can like have a more sophisticated palate and sort of taste different notes in the in the tea and like all this (laughs) stuff it's really great and it's good for you you know yeah um so yeah like i said i hope you guys are just as excited as we are um and that you'll go check out their website uh samofourlife.com is their website yeah and uh just check out some of their teas there and we'll have a know. link on the website too we'll get a little graphic <laughs> together and put it on the side of the website so yeah. you can because you can you can buy directly from them i think right yes. you can have yeah, and they ship, ship to you they ship anywhere it's good stuff anywhere in the world and it's you know it's good tea and that you can also get the stuff to make the tea so you can get yeah yourself little uh tea pots you can get the filters uh or the strainers for 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 steeping it yeah. um so and cups and all that good stuff anyway cool, um man. they're great stuff so i 
wanted to make that my pick of the week so that we could sort of explain to people sure. why we've been saying this sure, totally. intro thing for the last few episodes. So. Totally, totally. Um, well, then uh, I guess I'll jump into my pick of the week, which um, was going to be this really cute video I saw on YouTube of this kid like dancing in his car seat as this song is being played. I think I think you should do your pick of the week either from last week or just whatever your pick of the week is going to be, and then we'll just we'll just put the YouTube video on our website. Okay. We have to, or at least link to it or something, because it is so adorable. It's just going to make you happy. That's all. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, so, it's, it's funny too because it, this is a kid that probably can't even talk yet, and he's just like <clears throat> grooving out to this song, and he like gets all upset when they turn it off, and it's just like I don't know. It's so primal in, in like this really adorable way. But um, I I picked up this book recently called The Millionaire Course by a guy named Mark Allen. It's a really interesting book. It, 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 it talks a lot about, um, I mean, the subtitle is A Visionary Plan for Creating the Life of Your Dreams. And he talks about just kind of getting clear on what you want to do. He talks about kind of how to really find your goals and then how to like visualize them and then create a, a little simple business plan for them and then kind of certain lifestyle things you can do to help attract those things into your life. It's a little new agey, but um, there's some concrete stuff in here you can you can use, and um, I really like the tone of the book. I like what he's getting at with it. Um, so check it out, The Millionaire Course by Mark Allen. That's Mark with a C. Yeah, Trevor was actually showing us the book before we started recording, and I, I don't know about, I mean, maybe some of the philosophy stuff can be kind of new agey, but I... You were showing us the sort of business plans that he has in there, and yeah. that's like some stuff that you can just, you know, do. Yeah. You know, I always like when when authors or, you know, when, when our guests come on and sort of put things in concrete terms, where it's like, this is what you can do, you know, here's like a next step, or here's what you can do today uh, for your career, for yourself, for your DIY projects, things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that whole list he had in there of like, you know, here's... Here's here's the list of things to do. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Crush It. Yeah, yeah. Which is my it, pick of the week. There's a lot of that. Good. What's different about Crush It in this book is in Crush It, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about like really going that extra mile and like staying up late to respond to every email to really kind of build a relationship with your customers. Yeah. And this book, in that sense, is the complete opposite. He's he talks about how lazy he is. <laughs> And oh wow! Just looking for the easy ways of everything, which is fine. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if that's kind of who you are. But it's a different take on the same kind of content. Sure. Um, and you can see how many like little bookmarks and stickies and stuff I put in here. It's cool. There's some there's some stuff that's a little more fluffy in here, and there's some stuff that's really concrete. Like I'm going to go do this right now to kind of get my head clear. The thing that really stuck out to me about this book is he says, and there's a million quotes from here I, I would love to mention, but the one that stuck out that comes to mind right now is. He says, uh, the mind is a terrible master, but a wonderful slave. And it reminded me of this quote from Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, where he says, your mind is like a garden, and if you don't tend to it, it becomes overgrown with weeds. And I just thought that was a great way to kind of sum up the idea of, I think he says in here, like a ship without a destination just kind of floats. <laughs> so otherwise, it just kind of ends up in the middle of the ocean floating around for years and years and years. Right. So um, that's really what the, the premise of the book is. So it's good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Um, speaking of concrete things to do, though, uh, th- I think that's a good segue into um, we haven't really checked in with people to see if they've been doing our homework assignment from episode 36, the Actor Fest 2010 the, um, episode. Yeah. I wonder if people are... Do- well, we haven't done it yet. <clears throat> but no, we haven't had a chance to, but yeah. I would really love... Because I, I did hear back from one of our listeners um, who said that she was going to go out and do it. Awesome. And that she had done like 20 or so, because we told people to do 50. Yeah. So she's like, I got 30 more to go. So she's, you know, two-fifths of the way through. So, go, cool. you know, good for her. Uh, I just would, I, I would like, really like to know if other people are kind of, you know, taking that up and, and yeah. sort of doing it. Yeah. Um, the, the, for anybody who, who needs a reminder, the homework assignment was we had a type worksheet that we kind of borrowed from Mark Atterbury. And people can download it from our from our website and then... And then use it to go out and find a little bit more about how they're perceived, and then use those perceptions on a very in a very general sense to target their their acting marketing. Right. So yeah, go back and listen to episode thirty six if you haven't. If you guys already. haven't, and, uh, and and then do download the work. that PDF and <laughs> and do the homework. Yeah, because I would really love to hear you know people's response. You know, send us a tweet or send us an email with your sort of. Res- the results of your experiment as yeah. it were because um, yeah. I would really like to say hey Mark check this out we've got some responses of people and you know here's what they said about your your homework assignment yeah we haven't even taken his class we took that workshop at ActorFest that mm-hmm. he did mm-hmm. and I already am positive that it is incredibly useful stuff <laughs>
So we got a couple emails and voicemails uh, that we want to uh, respond to on this episode, but um, we both got stuff going on. So, so what have you been up to this week? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, but the thing that I wanted to talk about more than anything else was something that I tweeted out this week. Last episode, I talked about going in for an audition for a new NBC um, television show mm-hmm. and getting a callback. <clears throat> I went in for the callback and it came down to like me and one other guy who I thought was one other guy, but it turns out there was an offer out to somebody who's a bit more of a name and they got him. He, he accepted the offer. So he got the role the next week, like literally days later, my manager or my agent got a call from the same casting office and the casting directors were bringing me in for another guest star role on the same television show. So you booked the office. Exactly. Not the show. You booked the exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, the office. I'm going to be in the office <laughs> next week. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. And so all that stuff we've been talking about this whole time, basically since last year's Actor Fest, because that's when I heard yeah. Michael Testa say that book the office, not the role. Well, book the role if you can. <laughs> you know, It'd be nice to book the role, too. but the thing is, is sure. that that's it. That's a prime example of that. You know, yeah. it, they they liked my work. They liked me. I was professional. I went in. I did not embarrass them in front of the director and the producers, uh-huh. and it just wasn't my role that time. Yeah. So they brought me in for this, you know, this next one. And you actually, Trevor, said something to me that kind of blew my mind a little bit because I had never thought of this, before, you know, thought of it this way before. But in a way, it, it's kind of true. Which is, you said they're going to find something for you on that show. And I had never really thought of it that way <clears throat> because, you know, casting directors, just like anybody else in this business, they really like, they like to say, oh, I, you know, I discovered that actor. There's no way that if the first place that anybody is going to go for, if they need something done is people they know, you know, they're going to go to friends and family and trusted people, you know? So if you've already gone in there and shown them that you can do the job and you can do it right, they're just going to be like, okay, who can do, well, that AJ guy was really good. Like, we got to bring him back in because I, I think he could do it. And I don't want to have to sift through a thousand headshots right before lunch today. Right. You know, like, let's right. just fill him. So if I, have to bring, if I have to bring in 30 actors, bam, there's AJ. Now I only need to go through 29 of those thousand headshots. Right. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good feeling. And it's the yeah. first time that's – I feel like it's the first time that that's happened. I think the people over at Hannah Montana, because I was cast, remember me. I've ran into Howard Meltzer around town once in a while. Like, uh, you know, he's walked into Kirk Douglas before and I've seen him there. That's cool. And he recognizes me. So I think that, but the problem is that that office just really casts that one show. They're so busy with that one show. They do that show and like one or two others and they're all that sort of same vein, that Nickelodeon, Disney type show, which, you know, it's, it's rare that somebody my age, my size, you know, gets cast in something like that. So that was kind of a, a rare situation that for that to happen but you know this is like a legit office that casts a lot of really great stuff their their offices are right outside of the wb studios so they cost mm-hmm. them they, they cast a lot of wb shows so it's just like a really good feeling to have to to have that yeah i took um porter kelly's commercial <laughs> workshop a while ago and she said something in that class that really stuck with me she said if you are getting called back you are doing your job that's how you know you are doing your job if they're calling you back. Yeah. And that's how I measure every audition now. I'm like, did I get called back? Okay, success. Yeah. They, they, they believe I can do the job. Right. Done. Like, right. My, my work here is done. If I get it now, that's just the icing on the cake. Right. You know? But, like, I have done my job, so right. I just need to keep doing it when I go in there. Yeah. As an actor, that, 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 that is your job is to get the call back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Cool, that, man. that story. What's Good going stuff. on with you, Trevor? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, I'm doing a musical, and it opens... Well, it starts previews on Thursday. Um, and this is the first musical I've done since... And um, I'm really, really... And I'm really excited and nervous and just anxious to get started with it. And um, it's, it's called Group. It's a brand new musical. This was originally only supposed to be a six-performance workshop. Uh, and then I guess our producers sat in on a couple of rehearsals and liked it so much that they were like, let's just build it into the 2011 season. So, um, we're going to do six preview performances in, in kind of workshop spirit and, you know, soliciting feedback from the audience and, and incorporating that feedback. And then in uh, January, we're going to have a, a three week run. 
I'm really excited. This is some very cool music. It's like an indie folk music. It's not a jazz hands type musical. Um, <laughs> it's it's really yeah. uh, it's really hey, exciting. Hey, hey, hey! I've made a lot of money doing jazz hands. <laughs> That's type books, uh, nothing wrong with it, man. It's just <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with it. But um, we start previews on Thursday. If people are interested in coming, tickets are only ten bucks. You can check them out at uh, latensemble.com. And I would love to see you there because I haven't done any singing on stage for quite a while so this is uh scary and i need somebody to come hold my hand <laughs> so, come check it out one thousand inside acting podcast listeners arrive please do to hold trevor's hand please do that would be um, amazing yeah we, i know we've talked about it on the podcast before but trevor is a really amazing musician and oh, thanks man and i'm really excited for him to be doing a musical again that's um it's a it's a great combination of your your skills as Thanks. you know a musician and an actor and so i'm excited to see everybody in the show as yeah well. man it's gonna be fun and speaking of the ensemble <clears throat> this may be there's a chance we might squeeze one more episode out before but this may be the last episode that airs before voting closes for the um 2010 socal broadway world awards yeah and um we're behind in almost every category <laughs> So we got a rally, man. Uh, yeah, put your rally caps on, yeah, peoples, and uh, and check out our website or the ensemble's website. Yeah, there's a banner there. It says 2010 Broadway World SoCal Awards, and um, I've made a little graphic there. You can just click on, and that'll walk you through the process. Um, it'll take about five minutes, and you do have to give in your email address, but they won't spam you. You have you you can uncheck the box to get emails, um, and it'd be awesome if you guys can hop over there and give us five minutes and vote. Especially because AJ's nominated for Best Actor. I mean, come oh, on, you guys aren't going to go over there and vote for him. <laughs> Best Actor, people. So we got uh, a couple voicemails. Yes. Get to. All right, let's get started. Uh, so this, <laughs> Trevor, cheater. Well, you're not cheating because she she's a, she does listen to the podcast. Yeah. This comes to us from Caroline Sharp, who's actually in the cast. She, play, she plays my wife in the show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Check this action. It's more of a story than a question, but it's a good story. Hey, guys. This is Caroline um, from Group. And I was listening to some of your old episodes, and I came across one where Trevor was talking about um, his theory that rejection is just a myth. It's not a theory. Um, like that you go into the CD's <laughs> office uh, without a job. And yeah. if you don't book, nothing changes. That's, uh, that's a lateral move. You don't have what you didn't walk in with. Um, that's not a failure or a rejection. So um, it made me think of a story that one of my career mentors, Mitch Clem, uh, told me once about George Clooney. Uh, I don't actually know if this is true. It could just be <laughs> one of those um, those fairy tales that actors tell themselves before bed. Uh, but it's a good one. <laughs> so um, when George first moved to L.A., he, uh, he moved here at the suggestion of his aunt. Uh, his aunt is or was Rosemary Clooney. She was in White Christmas. She was a singer. Um, anyway, he lived in a closet at a friend's house, like this tiny closet, like it barely fit his bed. But he didn't spend a lot of time in the closet because he was so busy going to audition after audition after audition, and he had this philosophy. Oh, he was so busy. So the casting director has a problem. They have a role, and they need to fill it with an actor. And if they don't, they'll lose their job. And George just happens to be an actor. And therefore, he is the solution to that problem. If he doesn't get the job, he goes home to his closet. He gets to go on with his day and no harm, no foul, no skin off his nose. And the CD still has a problem. Hmm. And he walked around everywhere with this, uh, with this mentality of, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem. I Only am the solution to someone else's problem. Yeah. And that... I just think that's a far healthier way of living your life, you know, as an actor, uh, than whatever head games the actors usually play about rejection and eating the job and being a failure and whatever. Just walk around everywhere thinking of yourself as the solution to a problem someone else has. Just be the solution. I promise it'll make you happier. Well, hey, thanks for doing that, Caroline. She actually told me that story at rehearsal, and I was like, can you just call the podcast and repeat that? <laughs> Because I think it's a, it's a, we've talked about this before in the podcast, but I think it's a really great reminder and a really cool way to look at things. I think we've had a couple of our 
casting director guests come mm-hmm. on and say this very thing. Yeah. You know, that it's, and it is a great reminder because it's like, they, they sometimes are sitting there like thinking, oh my God, like, I hope I can find yeah. the actor that's going to fill this role. They, that, you know, that is their problem. Yeah. Their problem is that they have to, ca- and if they're casting, you know, episodics, they're casting role after role after role after role after role all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, if you know, you come in and you just, that, that's it. You are the solution to their problem. Yeah. Or not. Maybe you don't fit the role, but that's okay, too. Book the office, not the role. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you walk around feeling this way? I, I'm starting, you know, this podcast has taught me so much. And I'm starting to understand the casting director's dilemma so to speak, and how it, how it relates to the actor's dilemma. And um, dilemma is not, you know, maybe not the healthiest word, but it's, it's really interesting to start to think about it that way and just see, see it as a, as a partnership, you know, see, see yourself as playing on the team. Going into your meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going into your meeting, yes. Did, oh, did we use the word audition at all? Did we? we oh, we yeah, did. totally. Oh, Earlier man. we were talking about right. uh, what was going on with us. Good. Okay, cool. So this, uh, this voicemail comes to us from a longtime listener. Uh, Malcolm Devine, and he—I think he plugs his hitter, his hitter twindle, hitter twindle, hitter twindle, his Twitter handle in this uh, voicemail. And it, who, by the way, Malcolm is one of my favorite people on Twitter. <clears throat> you guys should all follow him. He's so him. nice. He's, He's generous. Such a cool guy. Hey, this is Malcolm Devine. This is Soccer Boy LA on Twitter. Uh, I'm calling from Hollywood, USA. Um, I just wanted to wonder if you guys could maybe talk about um, what's the best way for actors to get to get, you know, their footage for their reel. So, like, if, if something's being aired on television, what's the best way to record that and That's then get question. it into a, yeah. onto a file that can be then put, gone into, like, you know, iMovie or whatever, whatever you're going to make a reel from. Or uh, or let's say you're getting a DVD from a short that you did. I mean, like, not everybody knows how to grab the footage off the DVD because a lot of the things are a lot of people who don't necessarily are not the best technically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know there's services out there that, that you can pay money for, but it's kind of like every time... Can you really spend fifty dollars every time? That seems like a lot of money. Uh, that that could surely be used. I mean, what's the point of having a computer that has iMovie if you can't figure out how to do this stuff yourself anyway, right? I just thought that'd be really great and helpful because I think a lot of people forget about that portion of our business about capturing our performances and then putting those on reel, so then casting directors can actually see the work that you've done on television or the or the work that you've done in, in short films or films in general. So uh, that'd be great. There are so many things that came to mind for this what's your what's your uh what are your thoughts right off the bat well i'm gonna be very technical about this so if you have some like philosophical things you want to address uh no 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 philosophical things but i mean like i mean if it's a student film there's there's ways like there's a uh brian vermeer from episode three he he runs uh, he owns and created and runs performer track with uh his partner um christina hughes they they have a free resource on their website somewhere called the uh guaranteed copy agreement or something it's like a contract that you make these people sign when you do a movie for mm-hmm. free mm-hmm. Right? that way so you can like actually legally pursue them if you want to um if they don't provide you with copy i think it's called a copy provided that's yeah. what it is we'll find a link and put that on the website so there's that um secrethandshake.com uh it only costs 25 bucks to have them record your show and then send it to you on a DVD, mm-hmm. um, they will actually also uh, track it down for you. Yeah, they'll track it down if you. It's, I th- I'm pretty sure that 25 bucks is like the flat rate. I don't think it costs more than that. So that's not it's not too much. But um, what well, I what that's useful for is not so much uh, something that you know that you just did and you know is coming out because there's other ways of getting to that. Sure. That, what that's for is like if say you were you know on a show. Like, say you're on an episode of Perfect Strangers or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. Dear God, what an insane reference that was, right? But, like, say you were on an episode of, like, a show that was on, like, a, a long time ago. They can, well, not can, but they will attempt to kind of go back and try to find it. And I don't think they charge you if they can't find it. Yeah, I don't think they do. Um, you just leave them your number and you say, like, you know, this is what I was on. You know, this is what I believe the episode was called, or whatever. And they'll try to track it down. If they can't find it, they won't charge you. So yeah. that's I think that's what Secret Handshake is useful for. Yeah, they're great. <clears throat> but I mean, like two other ways that I've gotten stuff in the past is I've either gone to if it's already aired, I'll try and find it online on like Hulu or mm-hmm. the the network's website or whatever, and I will buy. I, I spent like twenty bucks on some screen capture software. 
and I'll just record the screen as I stream my part of the episode. What screen capture software did you find that was 20 bucks? Uh, I forget the name of it, to be honest. Because that's one of the things that I was going to suggest, but it's not $20. Yeah, my, well, like Snaps Pro was like 50 bucks, I think. 70. 70 bucks? Yeah. I found, I found some for 20 that worked. I don't, okay. I don't remember what it's called, um, but I'll... I just that's the I, one that I that I bought. I I just yeah. asked for it for my birthday one year and my mom gave me, you know, 70 bucks. Like cool. that's that's literally what I did because I was trying to make my reel and I needed to get um Hannah Montana and they were when the production company was not responding yeah. to me. So I just I just went to versiontracker.com and just typed in screen capture there and, you just, go. and just like poked around until I found something that looked like it was good. Um so I used that to to get some stuff and then also I have a ton of friends who have DVRs who are technologically inclined and I'll just, I, I just tell them, I'm like, dude, I'll buy you a pizza if you can record the show <laughs> and then burn it to a DVD for me. And nine out of 10 times that happens. And then I spend 10 bucks on a pizza and I got my DVD of the show and then and you get to have pizza with your friend. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's so <laughs> not difficult. You just have to kind of ask around and, uh, and just do a little bit of poking around the internet. Yeah. So the, uh, the legit way, by the way, to kind of get a hold of your footage from, especially if you do like a television show or something is to contact production and they're supposed to be the, they're supposed to send you a, a DVD. Mm-hmm. Like they're supposed to, you know, after it, they, obviously you can't get it until after the show airs but after the show airs you're supposed to be able to contact production and they're supposed to be able to be they're supposed to send you a copy of the dvd of your show right doesn't always happen obviously didn't Rare, happen rarely with, happens i think actually didn't happen with hannah montana but that's yeah. that's supposed to be like the legit way of Dude. doing it so what i ended up doing yeah was i i bought the episode on on itunes Downloaded it and then used uh, Snaps Pro. That's S N A P Z. We'll put a link to it on the website um, <clears throat> to download it. But it, you know it is expensive. Now I wrote it off that year on my taxes, obviously, mm-hmm. and also I have that software forever. They give you free updates for life yeah. um, if you actually spend the money. So you know it, it's it, a good investment. It's a decent investment, especially if you're if you're going to be doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And then the last. Thing that I wanted to throw into all of your suggestions, Trevor, is Handbrake. Um, obviously, Trevor and I are uh, big Apple users, so we're not going to know if there is a, an equivalent uh, for that on um, a PC. A PC. I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure there yeah. is, but you'd have to look it up. DVD ripping software is what you want to Google. Um, but there's a piece of software called Handbrake on a Mac that allow that's free to download and. You basically just put your DVD into uh, your computer, and then you use Handbrake to rip it into a yeah. digital file format. You got to be careful, though, um, that you're not breaking any sort of copyright laws. We certainly don't condone that. Um, so make sure be use you know use due diligence when you do this. Yeah, as long as you're using Handbrake to just capture your footage for your reel, you're not breaking any copyright laws. But if you use that same software to rip movies i will come to your house i will find you and i will cut off your big toes because you are stealing you are stealing money from actors yeah and i'm going to sell your toes on the black market and give them their money back how's that (laughs) how how much does a big toe go for (laughs) because this could be a good side business man (laughs) i thought that was gonna be funny you guys all looked at me like i was totally serious i am you didn't even (laughs) say it with a smile you were like deadpan the whole time well i I am serious i'm totally serious aj's not messing around i I am serious i'm totally serious yeah no but just don't don't steal from from other actors it's bad karma man it's bad karma you know i really believe in what goes around comes around and if you're stealing music and videos and movies and stuff it's like how do you expect to be successful if you're telling the universe that you don't value the art form that you're trying to create you expect other people to pay for you so you can get paid, but you don't want to pay for it to pay them and so you can consume it? Like, it, it makes no sense. You're sending the universe, I mean, I'm getting new agey, but you're sending the universe conflicting messages, and that's the way things work, you know? Karma's very real. Amen, brother. I'm with you on that. So we've got one last email uh, from Denise Fleener. Uh, we're getting to it a little bit late, but we want to talk about it on the podcast. She had an audition, two auditions, actually. And she had just recently cut her hair and had it colored. So it was a different length and a different color than her headshots. Mm-hmm. So, and then it just said advice, question mark. Right. So I don't know. What do you th- What do you think? This was a tough one for me. I thought about this a lot and I couldn't really come up with like a, here's what I think you should do. Yeah. I, I don't know how drastic the, the difference was, but I mean, it's, it's tough because you can't expect actors to not live their life. 
and do stuff like that. I mean, you should always have headshots that reflect what you really look like. You know, casting directors rely on you walking into the room and looking just like the person that they picked to come into the room. Right. Maybe she could include a note or contact casting or production beforehand to say, hey, just FYI, my hair is three inches shorter and it's blonde now instead of red. Or I'm just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just kind of like throwing something out there. That's probably the best you can do in a situation like that. Right. I think I think for the most part people are pretty understanding so long as you're not like shaving your head, you yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, I think if you if unless like like you said unless they're looking for something very specific from the hair, it's okay to have you or your representation if you have representation, they're the ones that should do it. Your agent should contact casting and just be like so just so you know, they just recently got a haircut and changed your hair color. So have your representation do that if um, that is something that you that you can can do. And the other thing that I was going to say is that I don't want anyone to ever believe that they are going to get a role or not because of the color and length of their hair. The good news is that if you have a good audition, hopefully they will remember you regardless of the fact that you don't look exactly like your headshot. There are situations where they... You do. You may not get the role if you don't look like what they need. You know, if the script calls for like, I'm just off the top of my head, a stripper with long blonde hair. Your hair is short and black. That may be a situation where you're not going right. to get it. But this is a, that's a situation where you book the office, not the role. Sure. So yeah, I mean, what I did, you know, like when we did War Cycle, I buzzed my head, I shaved it, um, and I didn't have any headshots that reflect that. So mm-hmm. I just kind of asked around the, you know, our my network or our network really, and I found a friend who's kind of getting into photography. And she wanted to do some headshots, so she shot a couple headshots of me with the buzzed head. I took a couple, threw them up on Actors Access, so my agent had access to them. And then for those two months, when my head, my hair was really short, we just submitted that photo. You know, cool. it, it cost me ten bucks to upload them and an hour of shooting with her. Don't have your friend take a picture of you up against a tree. You know, have have somebody that's interested in headshots and knows a little bit about them. But that's an option. You know, you don't have to spend a million dollars to have a temporary look up there. Absolutely. So uh, let's jump into uh, part two of Bjorn's interview. Um, this is a good one, man. Uh, for anybody who didn't check out the the uh, our website, we have a, a little video we put up with um, some photos that our producer Nelson took um, of our interview with Bjorn, and we just kind of took a couple sound clips from his interview and put them up there. So it's got this kind of photo collage. I think it looks cool. Um, it looks and, great. Um, it looks really great. You can see where we were, you know, we were and and what it looks like when we record somebody. If you're at all interested in that. So check it out at InsideActingPodcast.com and enjoy part two of Bjorn's interview. We'll see you guys on the other side. I have a two-part question. Sure. Um, one is... Um, I mean, I think we're all, the three of us are in, are in agreement as to how important theater is as as a as a cultural expression, as a cultural tool. So, what, why do you think it is so important? And then, B, why do you think it's received so differently in Los Angeles as com- as compared to New York and your experiences there? Well, I think answering the second question first, and this is just me gassing on. Again, this is, I have no I have no empirical evidence to support this, but. The theater in New York has a tradition of theater in New York, uh, going all the way back to a time where the theater was the primary source of popular entertainment in the country, if not the world. And all the pop songs came from the shows that were on Broadway. You know, that was... And the stars of the day would make would be on Broadway, and they'd go out and they tour the country, the provinces, and they come back and do theater in Broadway. And it really was... The, the generating center of entertainment for our culture. And that tradition st- has, has remained there and attracted talent from all over the world. And so there's a, there's a history of recognition there. This town, this little burg out here in Los Angeles, was, you know, sprang up on the desert at the ocean and where they were shooting motion pitches. And so, you know, that that is, and there's nothing right or wrong about that, but it's like that, the motion picture industry has been the primary force out here. And so, unfortunately, where we as, as theater artists are to blame, perhaps, is having been almost exclusively a culture of showcase, previous, 
people really the primary and I've been here now sixteen years and I've seen <laughs> wait, wait, sorry, what was it? in that time I've seen I've seen in the sixteen years that I, I realized I've been here I've now lived here a year longer than I lived in New York which blew me away but uh, I have seen theater vastly improving in, in L A. Um, I you know I have I've only been here seven years and yeah. I've I've seen an improvement from gee you're old <laughs> <laughs> shut up um, I, I I mean I've noticed the difference from when I first got here it may be a perception a perceptive thing but it feels to me like it's becoming more prolific and just better yeah yeah it's we have a real theater town here and and also we're so fortunate because it because it is the center of television and motion pictures we have this incredibly deep bench of talent mm. you know there's just there are just bazillions of incredible actors out here really really amazing amazing people and then you know there's a lot of everything else too there's a lot of everything you know was it was it uh, dorothy parker who said los angeles had the the most of everything and the best of nothing well i, I don't know if i totally <laughs> wow. agree with that but uh you know we certainly have a, a plethora of talent so so we may be responsible for uh, uh, our past history. But, yeah, I agree with you. Things are changing. And maybe our audiences will catch up with us when they start having a greater expectation of what they're going to see. I've got, I go to the theater whenever I'm not rehearsing or, or in something. I go out and see stuff as much as I can. People see me in the theater all over town because I love it. I really enjoy it. But I've got certain friends who won't go with me anymore because – luck of the draw the things that they saw weren't very good weren't very complete and it's really really a challenge for us as artists to be complete on the 99 seat construct where you have uh, an abbreviated rehearsal time we have abbreviated hours to do it and where everybody's can't, since you can't pay them they've got to have a gig yeah you know hopefully their gig is Commercials, you know, the last uh, support for the arts, um, or the, you know, or you know, they've got a pile from what they did before, and they can be really present. But most people don't have that. I think there's something incredible that transpires live. Uh, AJ and I ran into each other down at the Kirk Douglas Theater, where I, I got to see Venice, and I just had a tremendous experience just having that many people in the room, tilting their heads back and releasing that much sound. Being present to that is really moving our chops are built on the stage in a way that doesn't happen on film or television i'm very fortunate to you know make a nice living as an actor i'm 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 so grateful uh it's not like i'm i'm known to hardly anybody except for those you know people who know me personally but well, perhaps my dipstick commercial got some. <laughs> yeah, that's really. Uh, well, you know, what are you known for? Shakespeare, the thing you did? No. That music you did for? No, it's like, you know, casserole motor oil. But um, uh, uh, my point was that, that, that the theater, we build our chops in a way that doesn't happen on film, that doesn't happen in television. Th to repeat something, eight shows a week or in the 99C construct, three or four shows a week, especially this 99 seat thing that we do where you do three shows a week and then you have four days off. Oh my gosh. It's, it's impossible what we do. It's impossible. It's not possible. And yet we, we, you know, how's that? What's the theater? It just does, you know? Uh, but there's, there is muscle that's, that's built that if you can fill a cross art stage and, Really be authentic, not be presentational, merely presentational, not be merely indicative, but to be human on cue in the size of the frame of a proscenium arch, in the size of the frame of a thrust stage, and create a human experience repeatedly. The ability to walk onto a set and frame that down for the camera is much more powerful, much easier, I, in, in my humble opinion. You know, I've seen great actors from, from film go onto the stage and think they can just do it. Even actors who had a history in the theater from years ago but have not been on the stage for a long time have a tremendous difficulty authentically filling that frame, that size. You know, like really accomplished actors. We've seen it repeatedly on Broadway. And really wonderful actors like on the uh, actor studio interviews and stuff will admit to that. So it, I think it's. I think most actors know the benefit 
of being in the direct response to the audience and having the responsibility of the creation and repetition of an authentic experience. I have the privilege of teaching acting, and I, and I purposely, following the example of my voice teacher, Bill Reed, who I mentioned before, I purposely diminish the, the uh, um, tuition because I'm not, I'm not in it for money from people. And because I think that waiters and shopkeepers and babysitters and personal assistants deserve to get good acting training as much as fortunate trust fund people or models or uh, soap opera people, you know, people have the fortune of a great flow of money deserve to get good training. So I, you know, I only, I charge actors probably as little as almost anyone I know because my payoff is that incredible thrill of seeing someone get it. I've seen seen someone have that breakthrough. I've seen someone who's dealing with something that is a block for them, that that they're stuck in their defensive mechanism, and see them toil at it week after week after week after week, and then finally break through and have have that epiphanous experience where they go, "Oh, that's what you've been saying." What at what point in your experience as an actor, and your experience as an artist, and your experience all the other experiences that you sort of built up over? Uh, uh, years of experience what gave you the and forgive this word choice but it's the only thing I could really think of what gave you the audacity to say I'm going to now impart this wisdom to others because that terrifies me yeah like I can't imagine because I it's almost like I don't want to be responsible because a lot of stuff that you're saying is like I knew yeah I may not be able to perceive it in the moment and give it to somebody else and make them be able to understand it and communicate it well which you are very good at but a lot of the stuff that you were saying, I'm aware of as, as an actor. I'm like, yeah, I know what he's saying. What is she trying to do to this other person? What's your intention? What's your objective? I can't imagine having the balls to impart that wisdom to someone else. It's a really, really great when, when question. Did that, when did that switch flip for you? I had, I had a moment, but I want to preface this by saying, uh, first of all, a good acting teacher is uh, an acting teacher who works for, for that actor. And finding a good acting teacher is like finding a therapist or a dentist or whatever. You know, the, 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 the acting teacher that works for Michael might not work for David. That doesn't mean that because he doesn't work for David, it doesn't make him a bad acting teacher. Having said that, I think that it's hard to throw a rock in Hollywood and not hit an acting teacher in the head. And what I mean by that is, uh, especially these days in, in our troubled economic times, there's a lot of actors who are... Not 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 getting paid to act as much as they, they were, so they're saying, "Well, you know, maybe I'll just teach." And and I like you have got some trepidation about that. I think that um, not at, just because someone can do something doesn't mean they can teach it. And needing the money is one of the worst possible reasons. Yeah. B. H. Barry, my mentor, who taught me how to teach largely by apprenticing to him for six years, by going to every class that he taught where I wasn't rehearsing myself where by going to every rehearsal that he that that I was clear to go to the thing that he said is there's only one good primary reason for someone to teach acting there are secondary reasons that are valid and they're fine but it, there's one primary reason to teach and that is and and I'm not just blowing rainbows up my own skirts but it is going back to what I said before he said there's one single primary reason is because of a sincere desire to see the student, the actor, the, the individual improve. And if that's not your primary reason to teach, it will be a cancerous situation that will eventually implode on themselves or create uh, discord for the people participating somewhere. So if someone's teaching for survival, that's not a very that's not that's not a good reason and it causes its own problems. I came out here to Los Angeles and one of my teachers, I've, I've been really, really, really lucky to have had the pleasure of studying with some of the best people who are around during my lifetime. Uh, Michael Kahn was an incredible acting teacher of mine. BH in stage combat was an incredible acting teacher. Kyle Donnelly I had the pleasure of working with in uh, Chicago and I was doing Los Miserables. And she had a big impact for the, for the six months I worked with her there. She's now down at UCSD. Charles Katkatsakis, who I was recommended to by, by Blythe Danner. And her brother Harry Danner, Nico Sakharopoulos, plus the you know amazing directors I've worked with, but specifically those acting teachers. And then another big influence was was uh, um, and I I'm 
not hesitant, but I'm, I want to preface the next name I'm going to say because there are many, many people who drop this guy's name. Uh, and I don't, I, I'm not dropping a name here. I'm referencing and acknowledging the incredible benefit that I had from studying with, with Larry Moss. I stand on the shoulders of my teachers, much as Larry described standing on the shoulders of his teachers. And every time uh, I had an experience uh, with Larry where uh, I was, because I, I had been uh, helping people in class, I started directing scenes in class. And after one of these experiences, Larry turned to me at one point and said, out of, out of nowhere, said, uh, so when are you going to start teaching? Just like that. And I remember standing there. I remember it was April. And I thought to myself, you know, that instant Rolodex word that goes on in your brain. I said, I have to say something now that is far enough away that I can realistically put it together and make it happen, but close enough that it's real enough to have a ticking clock under it to get me in action. Because if it's too far away, so I said, well, it's April. A starts with A. How about August? I said, I'm going to start in August. And I was waiting tables at the time, which I did for three years. I was going to work one day, and my phone went off for a message. I listened to the message. It was my friend Annette, who was half German and half Sudanese, and a wonderfully talented person. And she says, well, I thought I would talk to you personally, but um, I guess you're already at work now. So you have on your little apron... And your name tech, and you're probably talking to a table saying, "Hello, my name is Bjorn. I'm going to be a waiter." So, how long have you been doing that now? Three years, man. Okay, well, if that's what you want, okay. Click. Oh my god! Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good friend. Yeah. And I walked in. I walked in, and and another waiter came up to me and said, "What's going on?" I said, "I'm giving my notice." And I was really good at it, but I realized in that phone message how inauthentic that experience was to use to use a, an educated phrase. How how out of tune with my real self that was. How small thinking that was. And so I took my word to to, to Larry Moss, and I took the goading uh, uh, guidance from my friend Annette, and I opened my acting class that August. And that was uh, ten years ago, August. And it hit me like a ton of bricks this year. That had been ten years that I'd been teaching an acting class. Every single week, except for when I get a substitute. The substitutes are fun, too. I've had some of the most incredible people come in. Some, JK yeah, came JK in as a guest. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. And uh, I had Julia Ormond. I, you should check out my website. I, 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 Wait, what is your website? Just so our listeners know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so shy about that stuff. But it's, <laughs> I, it's BjornJohnson.net. Cool. There, there was a lot of great little nuggets um, from the class uh, that I attended last night. Um, and it's funny because this one, I almost, it's, it's, it almost has nothing to do with all the things I was mentioning before about, you know, acting like, you know, what, what's your intention and, and object, like the craft of acting. Mm-hmm. This is something you said before you started teaching at the beginning of class. Um, and I actually tweeted it from the inside acting Twitter account because I thought it was so, it was such a oh, great little gem and awesome. I want you, and I want you to, I hope it was good. <laughs> I want you to reiterate it for right. our listeners because I think it's something that we've talked about on the podcast, but never put in these terms. Um, and the way that I boiled it down was tell yourself a helpful story. Yeah. I'll be as condensed as I, I'll, be, I'll try to be, uh, do this with velocity, uh, and be as condensed as I can. What I'm, what, what we were talking about, by the way, I start the class every day with, Addressing a technique breakdown, you know, uh, 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 dealing with some of the great writing or some uh, theater criticism that's come, or you know, great theater writing or, or acting writing or personal experiences as an actor or director or producer, um, or sometimes we just deal with living life as an artist and 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 how we consider that. Uh, so that was that portion of the class. And what I was talking about is that we tell ourselves stories all the time, um, and I was cautioning the group to be aware of the stories that you tell yourself. And if you're going to tell yourself a story, make it one that's helpful. So for instance, um, being aware of the way that we're talking to ourselves is, is highly, highly important because if you walk into a room and you say to yourself, Oh God, I'm nervous. That's a feeling you're not supposed to be having. If you were really adult, if you were really skilled, if you were really prepared, if you were really cool, if you're really happy, funny, zippy, peppy, and bursting with love, something you wouldn't be feeling nervous. So, so telling yourself that is like making yourself wrong 
or I'm, you know, I'll never, I'll never get this job is a really lousy story. Or a better example, you know, instead of saying I'm, ex- I'm excited because that's really what's going on. Or the sample we gave last night: you're in the audition and the guy's eating a sandwich. Be very human and understanding to tell yourself the story. Oh, this guy doesn't even care about what I'm doing. He's eating a sandwich. But the story could just as well be, he's so interested in what I'm doing, he doesn't want to leave for lunch. He's hypoglycemic, so he's, he wants to be aware and on, on point when I'm working here. That's a much better story to tell yourself. They're just stories. It, no one is more valid than another. You have no verification for anything. Whatever you think the person is thinking about you is something you're making up. So why not make up something that's going to help you out? That's just my whole point. Okay, okay, now... Noodle-baked, right? Noodle-baked. Noodle-baked, right? <laughs> I love that. I love that. that. There's great? just so many different ways to spin it, and it's yeah. so funny how we, we immediately jump to the negative default yeah. of, I'm not worthy, they don't like me, there's ever like, why why shouldn't I be here, is, is, right. the, is the thing that we look for first. I wonder why that is. And by the way, it's this stupid. what we're talking about is not something I'm making up. This is... This is out there in well-founded education and is available information for people. And, and, and you know, what Stanislavski said, his bottom number one platform in, the, in his chart that was reported by Stella Adler that Bobby Lewis shares in his book, Method or Madness, the number one platform across the bottom of the entire chart is know yourself. That's your job as an actor is to know yourself. So to go out and get educated, to, 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 you know, therapy is a wonderful thing. We don't have mentors who sat on the front porch of the uh, uh, hardware store who knew your grandpa anymore. You know, so therapy is an answer for some people. Maybe there's wonderful workshops to be taken, LifeSpring and, and the, the Landmark Education, the Forum, and there's, there's, there's many others. Mm-hmm. Um, there are great sources of, of material, The Road Less Traveled. They're, you know, the, the, the artist's way. We all know that these things are out there. But most of us are so resistant at the opportunity to grow and change that we avoid those. So we tell ourselves, oh, I don't need that. It's not a matter of need. It's a matter of getting to know yourself. And having a new prism to look through is so developing as an actor and as a person that that's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, So these things that I'm saying, I don't make up. Everything I talk about in my class and hopefully – what I share from my personal experiences uh, as, an, as an acting teacher are grounded in the great writings of the great teachers, you know, from Stanislavski all the way down through uh, William Ball. Uh, and even my, our buddy uh, Larry Moss has got a terrific book, you know. So the, the writings of the – but the really great teachers are, are important to go to. They're based in my experience at the, at the knee of some really wonderful master acting teachers. And everything I say is in accordance with, with what those people I mentioned had said to me. And then it's also based in my personal experience. So I'm not making stuff, stuff up and blowing rainbows up people's skirts and trying to prescribe to them th- to do things that I haven't – tried out myself but i also say in my class there's an invisible banner hanging up there the whole time that says whatever works i'm not trying to make them do the blah 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 technique i don't and i just i just kind of chuckle every time i see a a new acting teacher who has the frank bobinster technique or whatever his name is and then you go and you check it out it's it's stanislavski it's part of stanislavski you know it's all it's all stanislavski may not be what they think stanislavski is but if you really study his work it's that's all encompassing stuff, you know, and most everything that I've ever run across in contemporary acting technique is all included in Stanislavski. Mm-hmm. So I'm not making anything up. I'm just trying to find what's going to work for that actor. It's not important that you have my technique. It's important that you have a technique. And lastly, it's important that we practice and being out here and doing primary te- primarily television and film. It's not the same as when we're in New York and we're doing regional theater where you get to go and for eight hours a day you're rehearsing and then you go home at night and you study what the director told you and you work on your lines and you work on your research and you get up in the morning and you, war- you go to the gym and you warm up and then you go to rehearsal for another eight hours. Mm-hmm. Out here we, get, we, got, we got gigs, we're doing stuff, we're trying to make it all happen. And we have these little shortened rehearsal periods for the plays that we do. So it's really – that's where the studio, the acting studio becomes really more important. Finding a place that challenges you as an actor, raises the bar for you to clear, but it's also a place where you can really fail, where you can fall flat on your ass and that's okay. And that's what I aspire to hand to actors. I think you may have uh – Answered one, answered of, one of our questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny that you were thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, uh, one of our one, we, we we try to ask uh, these two questions of all of our guests, and one of them uh, is usually the last question that we ask, which is if you had one um, nugget of advice 
um, you know, uh, from all of your experience, if you could boil it all down to like one thing, one phrase, one book, one piece of advice, one thing, what, what would that be? And based on everything you just said, would it be know yourself? I yeah, that's like. <laughs> a good one. I also would always like – I would love to share with people too what uh, um, Steve Zuckerman uh, was one of my teachers too. And he's the you know very renowned, very experienced, wonderful uh, director, television director. And he's a guy who in on hiatus from TV out here would go back to New York to direct on, on stage. So he's a smart guy. And he used to say that there's three things that a person needs to have a successful career in the performing arts. And that you have to have a combination of these things. And you can be short on one, but if you're short on one, you got to be long on the other. And these three things are perseverance, just sticking to it, doing it when you don't want to, showing up, showing up, showing up. The second is confidence, just knowing yourself and, and, and knowing that you have a right to be in your skin. And the third one is luck. Hmm. And the one thing, the one of those, like if you're really have a lot of perseverance and tenacity, you'll build confidence. Because if you're working in class, in a good class that's raising the bar and being a place where you can fail, and you're working on uh, Tennessee Williams, and you're working on Arthur Miller, and you're working on Goethe, and you're working on uh, Neil LeBute, and you're working on great writing, and you go in for CSI, it's a piece of cake. Hmm. You're like, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who's working on, uh, on Shakespeare. I can do this, you know? So, and luck is being in the right place at the right time. Well, if you're being real, really tenacious, you'll tend to be in the right place at the right time. So the one that's in our control is tenacity. And then I kind of feel like you may have answered this question as well. but Probably because I've been talking my ass off. <laughs> we'll put it to you anyway. The, the other question that we like to ask all of our guests is um, this uh, career or life uh, as an artist, mm -hmm. uh, do you feel as though you chose it or it chose you? I had that epiphany I talked about where I recognized that anything else for me was going to be a lie. And that was in 1975, I believe. And, you know, it's always interesting. Looking out the back window, the, the, the line is straight to where you're driving. You know, it's really, it's really easy to look back and see how directly everything led to everything else. You look out front, you don't know where you're going. And I never kind of knew. And, and, and at different times, I've been very... Uh, uh, so appreciative of my friends who had the big break. I, you know, I, I've had lots of little breaks. I, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm just a worker bee because I just love what I'm doing. So, and, and in effect, uh, perhaps having had a big break, I, there's a couple of close calls that I had that didn't happen. And they may have been the worst thing that could have happened to me in my personality. Because if I'd been too successful too early on, I don't think I would have developed my craft as much as I have. And I think I would have been arrogant. And I think I would have been uh, narcissistic, more so than I am. So, yeah, the calling was really clear to me. And my grandfather always wanted, he couldn't understand why I was being a, he was a YMCA man. My dad had been a YMCA camp director. He kept saying to my, my mother, like, why doesn't he go into the Y? He'd be great. He's a people person. He should be doing this. And my mom said to him, Gramps, that was your calling. This is his calling. As much as, much as if, uh, you know, it was a call to the, to, the ministry or the call to, to the YMCA or whatever someone's calling is, I'm, I'm really, really grateful and I feel really, really fortunate and it moves me when I think about how clear that's always been for me because I know it's not that clear for a lot of people, not only actors, but people just in life. And to have that beacon that's drawing me forward has been something that's been really, really a, a, a tremendous boon and benefit to me. So, yeah, no, I never, I never questioned it. That's awesome. I, I, it's interesting because I've, I, I, something you just said is something that's been kind of on my mind a lot recently, which is the idea of, um, when you're, when you're ready about, um, how, you know, success in your career meets, you know, at the perfect time aligns at the perfect time with the, with the, with your sort of readiness, what you're actually ready for, what you're mm -hmm. prepared for. Um, because, you know, there are things where I think like, oh, if I could, just could have or, oh, if, you know, I just had this opportunity. But then I think well, maybe I'm not actually ready for that yet. Or and you're ready. Like it's just a time and place. You know, it's like and, and, and you know, it, it, it comes when it comes. Celeste Holm uh, sort of mentored me for a while, too. She's Norwegian American as well and took me under wing when I met her at Williamstown. She's the Academy Award winner for All About Eve. 
She was in Touched by an Angel late in her career. You, your young people might know her from that. Incredible actress. She was Ado Annie in the original Oklahoma. I, yeah, also in Time of Your Life on Broadway, William Sorrent. I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing actress. And she said, here's the deal. Two things. As far as agents go, as getting work goes, you do 90% of the work, they get 10% of the money. Mm-hmm. Because the second thing is, here's the deal. You don't get too excited when it's going well, and you don't get too upset when the tough when the going's tough. <laughs> and I think that's the thing to remember. And that which comes is coming. Just it's that perseverance, man. It's that hanging in there and just laying it out there. And what's going to come is going to come. And you know, success is a bitch, man. You've seen it blow people up who are not ready for it all the time. You see it all around you. You've seen it. We've all seen it many, many times. So that's why we got to work on ourselves. That's why you got to know yourself. Thanks, Constantine, for that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I think that's an awesome note to end on, actually. I think it's per- yeah. yeah. Is- yeah it's my for, pleasure. Uh, this is really, really fun. You guys are awesome. Inviting us into your home. This is beautiful. We're actually sitting out on the uh, the back porch. Well, come back yeah. and throw a steak on their barbecue. We'll, we'll, we'll eat steak and drink red wine and look over Hollywood. Right on. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you can also just email me at bjornjohnson at, uh, what is it, SBCglobal. .net and I'll put you on my mailing list. Oh, oh cool. there you go. Great. Beautiful. All right. Thank Thanks, you guys. so much, George. All right, guys. Welcome back. So we really hope you enjoyed the full extent of the Bjorn Johnson interview. Uh, we, re- uh, we had a great guy. time. Yeah, so nice. Ever. We had a great time recording it. That's what I was going to say. Um, we had a fantastic time recording it, and I really feel like we, Trevor and I, f- both feel like we got a lot out of it. So we hope you guys did as well. Yeah. Um, we have a few shout outs we want to do before we wrap this episode up. Yeah, definitely. We've been getting a lot of donations lately, and it's so, so amazing. We really, really appreciate your support. Um, especially for those of you who, uh, you know, are uh, able to able and willing to to sign up for a subscription, it's 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 just it means the world to us, and and it's really keeping this podcast going. Um, more and more as we look at this, um, we're realizing that if we really want to grow the podcast, um, there's going to be a lot of capital outlay that's going to have to happen, and yeah. so. Um, we really can't do that without without uh, without you guys and your donations. So I know it, it, it may not mean, mean much to you that we say your name on the podcast, but we're going to do it anyway um, because, you know, that's one of the ways that we can thank you uh, for your support. So we've got a, a list, and it's been a while since we've had a chance to do these shout-outs, and we're just going to kind of run, run through this list. So um, uh, big shout-outs to uh, Brant Williams, Mark Walker, Tara Patterson, uh, Will Blogrove, uh, David Warhol, Brandon Roberts, and Tavis Dans. Um, and I can't imagine Tavis Dans being anyone other than uh, my friend <laughs> that I went to college with, because that's a very specific name. So thank you to all of you who have um, donated. Um, yeah. You know, friends, strangers. Um, we've gotten a lot of emails from these people, and sometimes they leave little like messages. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, along with their donations. Yeah, when you donate, you can put a little memo in, a little note. And we've gotten some really nice kind of touching, actually, messages from people just yeah. saying how much they get out of the podcast. Yeah, I remember when we first started, we, we were like, are we speaking into a void? But, I mean, people are finding value out of their experience of inside acting. And so we're oh, we're just so grateful that that is something that is happening. If you are a musical theater performer, Tavis actually... He has this thing where he'll, he will record your your sheet music, music your sheet music for you if you have like an audition. So if you're a musical theater performer, that website, his personal website is tavistans.com. But if you go to yourbookofmusic.com, that's uh, his, his... That's pretty cool. So you just email him like <clears throat> a, a scan or a PDF of the sheet music and he'll just play it on a piano, I guess. And then email you an MP3 of it yeah. so you can practice with it. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Exactly. He's got a whole thing on how it works on his website. So just... Just check that out. He doesn't know that I'm doing this. What's it called again? Your Your Book of Music dot com. We'll put that on the website. Yeah. There's a there's a there's that. There's the plug. So how do you donate to us, Trevor? Well 
Um, God, there's a million ways you guys can support the podcast. Donating is the most tangible way to do it. But um, if uh, if you don't want to go to our website and click on one of the PayPal buttons to donate a couple bucks, which you can also write off as an education expense come tax time, breathe, you can breathe, 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 <laughs> you can um, hit up our Facebook page, uh, become a liker on Facebook. <laughs> yes. you call. I I don't know why they changed that, man. Um, but yeah, you can like us on Facebook, you can leave us a review on iTunes, you can comment on this episode or any of our episodes on our website, you can write us a review on actorrated.com, just do a search for Inside Acting there. Um, God, what am I missing? Leave us a voicemail, shoot us an email. Write us a review on iTunes as well. Yeah. Oh, did I say that? Okay. Um, yeah, you said actor-rated, but... Uh, okay, yeah, write us a review on iTunes. There's a million things you guys can do to support the podcast. It doesn't have to be financially, that's just the way that makes the biggest impact, so... Um, if you dig what you hear and you get some value out of it, be in touch with us and, yes, uh, and let us know and, and shoot us a couple bucks. It means a lot. And then I think that does it for episode 38. Good episode, man. Yeah, man. Good episode. Fist bump. Fist bump. <laughs> We're fist bumping right now. All right. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> we might edit that out. <laughs> it's just a little nerdy for my taste. Um, but um, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, part one of our interview with Mark Atterbury. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I think that does it, man. Yeah. For episode we'll 38, I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. Uh, we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, please avoid teabag land. <laughs> oh, God. You had to go there, man. You had right, to go there. I told you to leave it alone, it alone and you yeah, had to go there. I left it alone for an entire episode. <laughs> Can we record it over there?